when my kids were in uh, high school, they uh, played tennis. And uh, we would go and we would watch on the weekend and they'd be playing match after match after match. And so they would always have their little snacks with them. And one time I think I just didn't have enough of my own snacks with me and run out. And so I was just digging through their stuff to see what, what they had that I could actually eat because they're pretty much health junkies. And so it, we don't really eat the same stuff. And so, but I found that they had these dried banana chips. And on these dried banana chips, uh, they had said it had cinnamon on it. So I, I figured, well, you know, let me let me try those. And so I, I did. I took a bite, took a took a munched right into one. And as I munched into this dried banana, it was like, you know, that's not bad. It, it's it's not bad. And and what I realized is that that dried fruit, well, it's convenient fruit. You know, it's convenient. It just worked, right? But there's nothing like fresh fruit. There's nothing like this juicy, fresh fruit. And today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be starting this brand new series called Juicy Fruit and see what God has to tell us. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you are God, that you have given us this direction for life of what it means to, to have the juiciest life. And thank you that you've sent your spirit so that your spirit would indwell in every believer and that would make a difference in our lives in the way that we live it and the way that we understand it. God, help that to be able to be something that we can begin to apply to our own lives and begin to live that out. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we uh, actually raided the Outpost 56 pool party yesterday, Cheryl and I. And, and so, yes, our kids are, they're adult kids, so they're not with us anymore. But we are fostering right now. So we have a little 14-month-old. Her name's Kylie. And, and so the four of us went and we went and raided this little pool party. And, and we showed up at just the right time because they were eating, right? And that's always the best time to show up. And so we get there and they offered us some hot dogs. And we're like, well, we're, we'll pass on that. We're, we're, we've got plans to eat what we're going to eat. And, but then uh, Cheryl heard um, we had fresh fruit. And she's like, oh, fresh fruit. Because Cheryl has been known to say on multiple occasions that she hates cutting fruit. She hates the preparation. And, and what else she said is she has said this. She says, it always tastes better when somebody else prepares it. There's just something about her. She goes, it always tastes better if I didn't have to take the time to prepare it. And so somebody had already cut, and they'd cut up this watermelon. They cut it in big chunks. I don't know if that's because they were going, hey, these are like fifth and sixth graders, and they just need big chunks, or if they were in a hurry, whatever it was. Well, Cheryl sits down, and she puts her plate down, and she's got this watermelon on her plate, and she's holding Kylie with her. And Cheryl goes to get, and she starts eating the watermelon. The next thing you know, Kylie's got this little two-by-two-inch square in her little 14-month-old hand. And she just takes it right up to her mouth and starts gnawing on it. And, and it's just this juicy fruit literally just starts going all over her, you know, just reminding us of just how juicy fruit is. Well, listen, I, I think that when it comes to life, that there's something about living life and having this juicy fruit in life that really, that we shouldn't be making a mess with it, but it should definitely be seen and known when it comes to juicy fruit and the fruit that we are experiencing. What we're going to talk about today as we introduce this is we're going to be talking about love. Because see, there's, there's different attributes of this fruit that, that we have in our lives if we've bowed the knee of our heart to Christ. And if you're somebody, you're going, well, I, I, don't, I haven't done that. I'm not even sure what I believe or, or I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence or, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm against, I'm just, I'm just kind of here because she said, if we're still dating, I got to start coming. Whatever reason that you're here, I, I want you to know that you're going to be able to hear some things to be able to go, hey, that's what Christianity is. That's what Christianity is about. And it's going to be a great time for you to be able to hear some of these things. And so we're going to look and see that, that there is this idea of juicy fruit. I, I didn't come 
up with this idea, but, but really we got it out of Scripture, this idea of juicy fruit. So we're going to find this in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And so we read this, Paul's writing says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And so again, a believer that has the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you because you believe in Jesus. That's what we get. He just deposits the Holy Spirit in our life. And so, so the Spirit has this fruit. And so, so let's look at what the fruit of the Spirit is. It is love, joy, peace. And, and it says forbearance here in the New International Version, but really the way that we would understand that is patience. So we'll just call it patience. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. No, nothing that would be stopping what those are for and what they do and what they accomplish. And that a believer's life should be producing juicy fruit. That that's, that's what should be happening with our lives. Every single one of us that are believers, we should be having juicy fruit being produced in our life. It should be evident to those around us, this fruit that we have in our life. You know, love might be one of the most misunderstood words in our English language. And I think it gets to be misunderstood because we use it on so many different levels. That the Greeks had several different words that they would use for love, and it was all very pointed to what it meant and what it was directed for. But we just have one word that we just kind of use carte blanche as a whole when it comes to love. And so well, I've been guilty, been known to be guilty of saying some things like this. That I, I love the summer. I, I, I love the heat that summer brings. That, that, that I love the lake and being out on the lake. I, I love wake surfing. I've even been known to say that, that I, I love steak as long as I've got ketchup to go with it. Yeah, just, just who I am, right? These, these things that I, can, I tend to feel like that I love. But we end up saying that, that we love some things. And so then when we begin to talk about how we love people, it just doesn't seem to have the same kind of weight. Because we'll come along and we'll say things like, I, I love my wife. And I love my kids. I, I love my family. That I love my friends. That, 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 I, that I love them too. And so, so when we come along and we begin to, to say these things and, and we say the way that we love them, that it's like, well, what, what do we mean by love when it comes to all these things that we're saying about it? That if we don't understand the true meaning of love, we'll end up misusing the word. And, and, and I have for a few years now, I, I've really tried hard to make sure that I'm not saying things, using the word love to talk about things. I, I just don't do that anymore. I, I just really have tried to focus it on that I just love people. But you know, when it, when it comes to people, that sometimes in life, it seems like it, it's really easy to find fault in others. I mean, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's really easy for us to be people that we conclude that, that a person who's got a rough past, that they're never going to change. It, it's really easy for us to assume that the guy that cut us off on the road He's a jerk. It's really easy for us to think that that girl that just let gossip slip, it's, it's really easy for us to believe that, that she's, a, she's a bad person because she's just a gossiper. It's really easy for us to, to believe that that coworker that got the promotion, 
didn't really deserve it. That it's easy for us to, to worry about ourselves and our little mess that we're dealing with and be clueless about the mess that somebody else is having to work through right now. That it's really easy for us to judge and to criticize, to get irritated and to, to make some, some bad assumptions about other people. That it's really easy for us to get to that point where we justify holding grudges and refusing to forgive others because of what they've done. Those are the things that are easy. But you know what's hard? It's hard to love sometimes. Sometimes it's hard and it's much more difficult to choose to love. A couple of years ago, we had somebody here at Crosspoint. His name's Mark Roberts, and, and he was actually talking to, to our church. And, and he ended up saying this phrase. And, and what he said was he said, love people and use things. And he said that. And it was so profound. I mean, it just hit me really deep. I mean, I, he said it once, and, 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 and it, just, it just sat with me. And you might be thinking, um, well, that's really not that profound. <laughs> Why did that really stand out to you? And, and it's probably because it didn't stand out so much when he first said it. What really made it stand out is when he did this. And he said, but some people... They choose to love things and use people. And it was when he said that that there was just some conviction that I felt. Because I, I think that it's easy for us to begin to start loving some things and craving some things. And going, I just want more of those things that I'm willing to use people to get those things. And it really did. It just, it just hit me in a way. In fact, it, it's what caused me to stop saying I love when it wasn't people. That, that I've been able to have a few nice things in life. And, and people have said, well, do you love that? You know, and, and I, I respond with, I, I really like it. Because I just don't want to be that person that I'm willing to love things and use people. That what we have to do is we have to make sure that what we're doing in life is that we are loving people and that we are using things. That, that we wouldn't get that out of alignment. When we look at our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are the first four books in our New Testament. And when we look at these and we read through them, there's something that really stands out. In fact, you only have to read one of the Gospels and you'll start seeing it. It just, it just jumps right out. And, and, and what jumps out is, that, is this right here, that, that people who were nothing like Jesus, they liked Jesus. Which really begins to, to beg the question, well, why is it that people who were nothing like Jesus, why is it that they liked Jesus? Why did so many who were nothing like him ended up liking him? 
And I, and I think the answer is pretty simple. And it's pretty simple because what the answer is is that Jesus loved people who were nothing like him. That, that, that they were people, that they were not, and he just, I, I love you because you're a person, I, I love you. He loved people who were nothing like him. When I think about the easiest people to love in life, there, there, there are two groups of people that are the easiest people in the world for us to love. That first group of people is the people who are like us. If they're like us, hey, they're really easy to love. And, and who's that other group? The other group of people are the people who like us, right? If they are like us, it's easy for us to love them. And when people do like us, we go, hey, it's easy to love you too because, because you like me. Those are the two easiest people in the world for us to choose to love. But, but in this world, in this country, in this state, in our city, in our own little neighborhoods, what we do is we find people, because it's filled with people that aren't like us. And there's a lot of people that either choose not to like us or if they were to know us, they might go, okay, I'm not going to like you now that I know you. And they would, they would choose that unless, unless one thing, unless we love them first. And, and if we were to love them first, even if they weren't like us, and even if they didn't like us, if they saw that we genuinely loved them, I think many of them, if not all of them, would begin to change their mind about us. That Jesus, he, he modeled something about love that I think could be summed up this way. Preemptive love. That he chose to love us before we ever loved him. He just preemptively loves us. Loving people. You know, love, it, it does a lot of things. That when we think about love and what it does, that love, it, it unites. That love, it, it overcomes. That love speaks up. That love ends up speaking out. Love hopes. Love sacrifices. Love, it gathers people. That, that love listens. Love celebrates. Love does a lot of things. And we are in a time where there's too many people that aren't feeling loved. There's, there's too many people that they are, they are needing love. And that we should be giving it. And what Jesus ends up saying about love puts it on a whole new level. That he says some things about love that shows just how powerful it is and that really love it does. It changes everything. And so we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about love. And so I want to spend the rest of our time looking at three things to understand about love. Three things to understand about love. And here's the thing before we even get there. Some of you, you're not going to be hearing anything about love that you didn't already understand. You're going to be going, I, I already knew that. <laughs> Man, I really wasted which church I visited this week. Because you're going to be going, I, I, I already knew all of those things. Some of you are going to go, I, I didn't know all of them. I, I knew some of them, one of them, and, but I didn't know all of them. 
But no matter where you're at on, on what you already know, here's what I know. We're not putting into practice enough what we already know about love. And if there's some other things that we still need to know about love, then, then let's open up and, and get those. But we're just not putting into practice enough love. So that's why we're going to spend time looking at this. And so this first thing to understand about love is that love is a command. That we've actually been commanded to love. You know, it's kind of weird. You've got to love, you know. And, but it is. It's actually a command that, that we would do this, that Jesus gave this out as a command. So look at with me in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. It was his new command that we would, what? we would love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. What's the way, what's the measurement of the way that we should be choosing to love each other? That we would choose to love people like God loves us. That we would choose to love people like Jesus loved us. That's the way that we should be choosing to love others. Because we have this command, this new command I give you. Love one another. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That, that when we begin to make some sacrifices in, in the way that, that we love other people, that when we do this, we get, begin to get a glimpse of the depth of God's love for us. And we also begin ref, to reflect God's love to others that need to know that God loves them. And so Jesus said that, that others will know you They'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That, that what Jesus said is there's, there's one behavior. There's one behavior. There's one way that, that you can behave that other people are going to know that, that you're my students, my disciples, my followers. And that is in the way that you love one another. Because see, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And, and, and rabbis were known to be just keep imparting knowledge and keep imparting knowledge. And there you go. Here's things to know. Here's things to know. Here's things to know. And people would just get puffed up with all this knowledge. But, but Jesus wanted his disciples to not just know things. He wanted them to do things and be things that he was trying to teach them to do and to be. It's not the only profound thing that Jesus had to say about love when he said, it's a new command that I give you is love one another. There was an occasion where, where there was this little back and forth going on with, with some of the religious teachers of the law that really didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, didn't believe that he was the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one, the, the one that's fulfilling all this prophecy. They didn't believe that. And so they would corner him at different times and, and on occasions. And, and so they were just talking about something, and Jesus is confronting them and telling them that there is a resurrection of the dead, that, that there is life after death here. And he, and he actually referred to how Moses, when he had this burning bush experience, that there was a bush that it was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. And God met him there and God was speaking out of this bush and how God introduced himself. And he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't say I was, I, I was, I was the God of, I am the God of. 
that, that, that they are alive and well eternally. And so Jesus uses this to really just push that they were mistaken about that, that God is the God of the dead because he is the God of the living because we live eternally. And right after that, there was somebody who was really impressed with how Jesus was speaking to this. And we're going to pick this up in Mark chapter 12. We'll start in verse 28. <clears throat> it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noting, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And you might be going, hey, okay, I, I know a little bit about this because there are, there are the 10 commandments, right? And so we, we've got those and, and some of us might go, hey, I could come up with four of them or five of them, or maybe if you're really good, you'd come up with eight or nine. But, but we know that there are these 10 commandments. But not only do we have those 10, all throughout the Old Testament, that we can look at all these different laws and the laws were considered commands, and that we can look and we can add up all of the laws. There's over 600 laws, 600 commands that we find that the Israelites were being told, this is how you need to live. So this teacher of the law, he approaches Jesus and he says, okay, if you, if you can boil it down to one, what is the most important commandment out there? What's the most important? Verse 29. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's, there's only one God. There's only one living God. You need to know that before I even begin to tell you. So he establishes that. And then he begins to speak regarding the question, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, verse 30, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. He, he didn't just come along and simply say, well, love God. I mean, I, that, that's really what he was saying. Well, love. But Jesus took the time to identify everything about us and who we are. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your emotion, all the, th all, all, all the way that you process your feelings. Love, love God that way. Love God with your soul, the eternal part of who you are. Love the Lord your God with that. And, and, and for some, I'm going I'm to disappoint you because <clears throat> humanity is the only one that, that gets a soul. We're the only ones that has eternity that we get to live forever. That, that your dog that you love doesn't have a soul. And, and, and your cat, I don't get cat people, by the way, but, but, but your cat, you know, it's, it's almost as if you guys know that the cat doesn't have a soul because you want to give them nine lives, because you want to try to keep them around forever and ever. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. But, but Jesus says, hey, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your soul, with all of who you are for eternity, that you would love him. All your heart, all your soul, all of your mind. That everything that you could be thinking about in the way that you would love, that you would be doing that with your mind. The choices of the will that you make. And then he said, with all of your strength. Jesus left nothing on the table. And everything about you, in any way you could think about yourself, that is how you need to love God. And that is the greatest commandment that we would love God. And so Jesus doesn't stop there. He says the second is this. The guy didn't ask for a second. 
But Jesus said the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. That if, there, if there's a hierarchy, we're going to understand the hierarchy, it's, it's, it's that we would, that we would love God with everything that we have and that we would love people. That, that we would start by loving God, that that's where we get our start, and, and then we would love people. It's not until we love God that we begin to understand His love so that we can love others the way that He has loved us. That the greatest commandment is love. It's the greatest commandment, is that we would love, and we should not ignore what Jesus so clearly spoke. That there was nothing fuzzy left out there. Well, I don't, so are we really supposed to love or not? He didn't leave it unclear. It was as clear as it could be. And that fully living is going to require us to love God and to love people. We will not fully live without loving God and loving people. So these three things to understand about love. Love is a command. The second thing is that love is a choice. That we each make our own choice about loving. We make the choice of who we're going to love, when we're going to love. We make the choice of how we are going to love. The Apostle Paul, he actually wrote in the, book of First, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he wrote in chapter 13 what we would call the love chapter. And we're going to get to that in just a bit. But right after he finishes that, we get to see this in chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love. That Jesus chose to love us. But love is difficult. It's difficult for us to choose to love at times. And love... Love doesn't always feel good to give. Sometimes we, we, we feel like withholding love. But we've got to be choosing to love. There are moments that, that we have to do the opposite of what we feel if we're going to obey the command to love, if we're going to choose to love. That we can be people that we, we feel like being mean. We, we feel like being vengeful. We feel like being hurtful. But we have to deny ourselves of these feelings. We have to sacrifice those feelings in order to choose to love. And that loving others, it can be extremely difficult at times. When I think about people that, that tend to be the, the more difficult ones to love, those are the, the EGR people, right? I mean, does anybody know the EGR people? They're, they are the extra grace required, right? Those, those EGR people, that, that those could be, it could be difficult for us to choose to love the EGR people. But, but we have been commanded to love and that we have to choose to love and that who we should choose to love is that we should choose to love any and everyone. But not only are the EGRs difficult to love, even people that we generally like at times, it can be difficult for us to choose to love them. I think the main reason that we struggle with choosing to love, whenever that comes along and we just struggle or we just make the choice not to, I think that main reason is always sin. It's always sin. 
Maybe it's our sin. Maybe it's our sin of selfishness. Maybe it's a sin that's kind of led us astray, and so we just don't feel like loving them. Maybe it's their sin and something that they did, and we're really mad at them because of something that they've done, and so we don't want to. But sin is what does. It makes it difficult for us to love. I think another reason it's difficult for us to love is because sometimes we misunderstand what true love is. That we just have some thoughts and some things that we go, hey, I think that's what true love is. And, and true love, it's not, it's not a knot in your stomach. True love isn't this uh, quiver in your liver. It's, true love's not this ocean of emotion. I mean, that, that's not what true love is. That, that while we think about love, that, that true love, it does, it produces feelings, that we have these feelings, but true love, it lasts beyond the feelings. The true love is there no matter what the feelings are. And true love allows us to choose to love. So as we look at these things to understand about love, we got love as a command, love as a choice. The third one is that love is an action. It's an action. It's so much more than a feeling that it is an action. Love's not meant to be passive. It's meant to be active. And that we would act on it. And I think that every strained relationship has one thing in common. Every strained relationship has this one thing in common. Someone isn't choosing to love well. Maybe it's more than one someone. But somebody in a strained relationship, somebody isn't loving well. And we need to have better action in the way that we love. We can look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, and John's writing this. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You know, we tend to think of love as this, primary, this, uh, this emotional response that, that we have when it comes to love. But the problem is, is that we can't always control our emotions. We can control what we do with our emotions, but we cannot control our emotions. When we think about love and the, and the love that God has for us, that the love that he has for us, it is this agape love. That's the Greek word for love that, that describes this unconditional, this sacrificial love, this agape love. And that is the kind of love that, that God has for us. And Jesus said, I, I'm commanding you to love one another. And how are we supposed to do that? The way that I have loved you. And Jesus loved us with this agape, with this unconditional love. It's how he chooses to love us with this sacrificial love. And I think that maybe there, there's somebody that just really needs to hear this and, and really take this to heart. Is that God's love for you, it doesn't depend on your behavior. But I think maybe you've had some people in your life that it seemed like their love for you might have depended on your behavior. But I want you to know that God's love for you, it does not depend on your behavior. God loves you unconditionally. 
He loves you. Now, when it comes to God's forgiveness, being able to be restored into a right relationship with your heavenly Father, is that God's forgiveness, it does depend on something. And that depends on our faith or on our belief. That, that, that forgiveness, the forgiveness that he offers, that depends on our belief, our faith. But his love for us, it is unconditional. It does not depend on our behavior. That if we're going to love, if we're going to have to love the way that Jesus loved, and Jesus loved us unconditionally, loved us with forgiveness. And if we're going to love others, forgiveness is going to be required of us. That is an action in the way that we're going to love, that we're going to have to act that out. We're going to have to act with forgiveness that we would offer and give forgiveness. That we can't fully love and partially resent. We will only partially love if we partially resent. And so in order for us to fully love, we, we can have no resentment. Because what resentment does is resentment, it divides our heart. It divides our loyalty. And so we have to give up the resentment because it limits relationships and it will limit our love. So I shared with you that Paul wrote this love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look at the beginning of this. He says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That, that, that if I don't love, I'm just kind of going through life and I'm just making noise is what he is saying. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and if I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. That we begin to see just how important love is. Could you imagine what your home life, what your work life, what your neighborhood life, what your city life, what it would look like if we all loved others the way Christ loved us? Could you begin to, to see the, the transformation that would take place? That what Jesus started when he came is he started a love revolution. He started this love revolution. I'm, I'm going to love people. That, they're nothing like me, but I'm going to love them anyways. He started a love revolution. And that is a revolution that every Christ follower, that you should be carrying out. Because Jesus meant for that to be his legacy. That the way that people would be loved. Could you imagine what it would be like if every Christ follower just would just show one person, one person who just hasn't been feeling loved, hasn't been feeling accepted, one person who they, they know their faults, they know their mistakes, they know their past, and they just think, nobody's going to love me because of this. But yet if every one of us would choose to love everybody, 
it would transform the world the way that we know it. Because this world is looking for love. And if they can't find it, Christians, Christians are to blame. The world is looking for love, and if they cannot find it, we who are Christ followers, we are the ones to blame. I want to leave you with one last passage. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. And, and, and in this passage that, that Paul, he's writing, he's writing to people that are already believers of Christ. And he says to them, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. So they believe in Jesus. And so that means that they're, they're rooted, they're established in love. And what's his prayer? I pray that, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. They're holy not because of their behavior, but because they've accepted God's love and they've accepted his forgiveness. And so they become holy because of what he does for them. And he prays that they might have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp something. And what is it that he wants God's people to grasp? He wants them to grasp this, how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That, that, that if we could grasp that, that how, how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is, that we would have this aspect of the juicy fruit of love in us that would just come out of us in the way that we love others. Heavenly Father, grow us in your love. God, maybe there's some here that, that they're just at a place where they just desperately need to know that they're loved. And I pray that they would be able to understand and grasp that how, how your love is, how deep and how long, how high and how wide it actually is. And that as they grasp that, it would begin to take root. They would be deeply rooted with that. And it would begin to shape the way that all of us would live life by loving you and by loving people because we finally grasp the power of your love. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.